Hi there, you are listening to Podark Podcast, a podcast about the Podark saga in all of its various incarnations. We are your hosts. My name is Rita. I live in England. I Tumblr at Princess of Podark and I tweet at Rita. Bar. I'm Michelle. I live in the States. Um, I blog at Poldark Muses and I tweet at Musings. Hi there, I'm Delinda. I live in France. I blog at British Faiso and tweet at Delinda Dia. So, on this week's podcast, we will be discussing episode 8 of season 3, which aired this past Sunday on BBC One. Spoiler warnings for anyone not caught up, because we're going to get pretty detailed and frolic in the spoilers. So, that's just a heads up. Anyway, let's get on into the recap. Yes, so the episode began with a casual misunderstanding of what a pauper's grave is. Bury her in a pauper's grave with no headstone. She will have a headstone. A pauper's grave was a very basic burial paid for by the local parish when a person died without any money to cover their costs. They were not given a headstone and in many parishes were often mass graves with five or six bodies in one plot. This is not the case for Agatha who has her own plot and gets to be buried in her family's church alongside her relatives. Not so bad, but whatever. Ross is brooding about it, as usual. During an indiscriminate amount of time between episodes, hashtag time, George has grown distant from Elizabeth and Valentine, and Elizabeth wonders why. She is not the brightest. Meanwhile, George is sneaking over to Dwight to ask for his medical opinion about Valentine. Was he an eight-month baby or full-term? Dwight can't say for certain, and George swears him to secrecy. Dwight is very bad at keeping... He doesn't say what they talked about, but he just can't wait to blather about who came by. Oh, we had secret meeting. (laughs) Super secret meeting. Because by the end of the episode, half of Cornwall knows of that meeting, including Ross and Elizabeth. Now, over on a cliff, Demelza throws Hugh's sketch of her into the ocean. Yes! Bye-bye, sketch. So Dwight is suddenly out of nowhere, Morwenna's physician... Okay. With less than a month until the baby is due, he tells Ozzy to stop raping Morwenna every night. Ozzy is typically gross and protests, but eventually complies. Why? Because he's getting his rocks off spying on her sister, Rowella. Uh, someone sedate Michelle, because Hugh arrives at Nampara with a magnolia flower for Demelza. Spoiler, that thing is gonna die after like two minutes in North Cornwall. It is windy as fuck. But anyway, Demelza is charmed, and they giggle away until Ross arrives to kill the sexual tension with Garrick. After Hugh leaves, Ross, who, if you will recall last week, was pretty certain Hugh wasn't into Demelza, warns Demelza of him. Yet he isn't a dream. He's very real. And I rely on your wonderful common sense to remember that. Which falls pretty flat coming from an adulterer, but I feel you, Ross, because you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't. This is the part where Michelle inserts a very heavy sigh right here. (sighs) The Reverend Philip Webb is lately deceased, and the parish of St. Saul is worth £200 a year. I feel it an excellent opportunity to add to my portfolio. You live in Truro? Reverend Webb lived in London. God rest his soul, and paid Odgers £40 a year to manage the parish. I would do the same. Ozzy, who is slimier than ever in this scene, asks for jo- George's favour in acquiring the living. 
Meanwhile, over at the smithy, the Karn siblings are hanging out watching Drake finally do some work, when who should appear but Drake's only customer, Emma Tregirls. My brothers sing in praise of wedded bliss. You think I'm right? Do I look the marrying kind? But as I see it, a girl's only power will be when she have men dangling on a string. Once they get her, strings round her neck. Choose wisely and it needn't be. Demelza ships it. Later on, Sam it takes to stalking Emma into the pub, where he quietly sits in the corner reading the last page in his Bible. Something in Revelations, but who knows what that means. I think it's a blank page. <laughs> Come on, it's blank. <laughs> maybe, he, maybe he has it upside down. <laughs> I buy it. But anyway, he's reading the last page of his Bible while Emma gets turnt with Tom Harry. <laughs> when she notices Sam, she walks on up, starts flirting with him, and then asks him to walk her home. A flustered Sam, of course, agrees. Back to the election storyline, George and his uncle Carrie inform Lord Falmouth that the Burgesses won't be voting as a bids anymore. Lord, Lord Falmouth is like, that's cute, but I'm gonna blackmail them with all the money and favors people owe me. Casual reminder, Lord Falmouth is trash. Voting begins the next day and the Burgesses are struggling between two terrible options. George or letting the douchebag who threatens them win. It's not, therefore, surprising when George narrowly wins. Well, when it goes into labour and it sounds painful, like an alien is bursting out of her stomach. I'm pretty sure she's giving birth to a devil child. Hashtag devil child. Cut to one of the funniest but grossest, silliest scenes in the show's history. Dear Lord, I begin to comprehend your purpose. For you see now that my present wife is unsuited to this life. And if you ordain that I should be widowed again, guide thou my footsteps toward a suitable replacement. Ozzy is joyous to realise that he has this son and runs to meet him. He is noticeably less joyous to realise that Morwenna is actually still alive. Dwight is like 100% done. Oh my god, I love the expression on Dwight's face. He was just like, you motherfucker. <laughs> George and Ross have another encounter in the Red Lion. They start off attempting to be civil, but things go to hell pretty quick. Ross maintains his composure, while George slowly shows his ass. In front of his new patron, Bassett. Hashtag timing. The quote, conversation, end quote, melts down at the end when Ross has the nerve to utter the words Elizabeth, Poldark, and Son all in the same sentence. And the world didn't need this, but we have it anyway. Uh, George is headed off down to Westminster to take up his seat. Before he leaves, he bids Tom Harry to follow Elizabeth and report back to him on who she sees and what she does. Back at Ozzy's house, a very ginger Arthur Solway arrives on the scene. He's a local librarian dropping off some books for Rowella. Ozzy does not approve of reading and scares him off because he can only talk to Rowella. And Arthur really is ginger. I mean... Yeah. <laughs> the gingerest person on the planet. <laughs> he, he is Weasley ginger. So Sam bumps into Emma while she's like walking or twirling through the woods. Is this girl always... <laughs> I think so. so weird. <laughs> 
And they then they start talking about how he wants to bring her to God and sanctify the boner he has for her with holy matrimony. <laughs> Um, oh my God. It takes Emma, like, a full moment to realise he just proposed to her after, like, two minutes of screen time. What the fuck, Debbie? They literally met last week. Um, po- hashtag Poldark time. Uh, she has to let him down easy. She's apparently been rolling in the hayfields with men and, you know, getting drunk and cussing and having the most fun of anybody on this show. So... She won't be changing anytime soon. Sam, to his eternal credit, actually listens and respects her decision, something her, his brother doesn't really do, um, even if he does look like he just got stabbed in the heart. You're a rare good man, Sam. But not for the likes of me. Back in Truro, Ozzy, who has been told to keep his dick in his pants until six weeks after Moana's childbirth ordeal, is, unsurprisingly, being a complete monster and not doing that. Elizabeth and Jeffrey Charles visit. She finds Moana pale and not doing well. She insists Ozzy sends for Dwight, and we, yet again, have to see through Dwight yelling at him to stop forcing himself upon Moana. Ross goes to the graveyard again, and... He runs into Elizabeth. What follows is a wonderful scene where they talk properly for the first time since that night. Elizabeth reveals that Valentine is probably his son and that George has grown suspicious and distant since Aunt Agatha's death. Ross tries to help Elizabeth in the cover-up of their mistake, telling her to fix the rift between she and her husband and to have another eight-month baby if she needs to. They part on better terms and in a move that seems super unnecessary, they kiss, or at least Ross grabs her face and then slobbers loads of kisses over her. In a totally telenovela move, Prudy sees the kiss. Escandalo. So Drake sends Morwella his creepy necklace and it like magically makes her love her child. Like, I, I, I don't know. What the fuck is this storyline? I just, I don't get it. Yeah, I don't know if it's a, like some kind of love charm for the kid or anything like that. I think it has more to do with it coming How from him. How did she seem to know it was from Drake as well? It was like, bitch, what just happened? I... Why is he standing outside your window? What is happening? Well, you know, hey, this is the romance of the season. Nay, of the century. Um, meanwhile, Ross goes home from his meeting with Elizabeth in the days when Demelza asks him what is up. Ross talks for like an hour. I met Elizabeth. For the first time in years, we talked. At first, she was hostile, but then she softened. I kissed her. I love her, Demelza. Not as I did, but with fondness. The ghost of a love. I pity her. I want to help her. My conscience is sore, for I treated her ill. Fifteen years ago, I would have given the earth for her. 
she hasn't changed. She's no less lovely. But I have. I have changed. Because of you. Ross. What things needed attending to? Sight. That's just Ross's daydream. And uh, <laughs> Rita suspects Ross might have some sort of psychosis with how often these are happening now. But anyway, <laughs> instead, Ross is silent and morose with Demelza, so we give him zero points for the speech. Boo. At least he's starting to think about these things. <laughs> points for thinking. <laughs> anyway, Ross and Demelza head over to Lord Falmouth's uh, for a party to celebrate Hugh going back to the Navy. Yay! A party we can all get behind. Uh, exactly. Exactly. Ross is invited into Falmouth's study and is asked for his help in taking down the George Sir Francis ba Bassett Alliance. They discuss their opposing political beliefs and then Ross, who's not inclined to get mixed up in a battle for the Truro parliamentary seat, goes to rejoin his wife. Meanwhile, Demelza is doing a somewhat valiant job of trying to persuade Hugh from his stupid infatuation with her. She even goes as far as to compose and then sing a damn song about how they can't be together. Do not ask me for a smile Life is short but love is long Let me not your heart beguile Pray content you with a song Do not ask me for a kiss Life is short but love is long You may never know that bliss So I offer you this song Do not ask me for my heart Life is short, but love is long Knowing we are soon to part Consolation be my song Ross chooses that moment to walk in and look thunderously at them both. Honestly, honestly, I ask you, if you were to sing that song to a man who's been chasing after your ass... Do you really think that's going to work? I mean, if I sang it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be as good. <laughs> like, it would be a bit yeah. of a horror show. Oh. But she makes a good pretense of trying oh to. Oh, God. Um, Rowella seduces Ozzy, and it's amazing, and she calls him Vicar in a kind of kinky and ironic way that's so funny. She literally rips her bodice. <laughs> it's so meta. So meta. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, you, you. And uh, the last scene of the episode is a quiet one of Ross and Demelza at home in front of the fire following their adventures in Hewland. Demelza knows something is up with Ross's visit at the churchyard, but she isn't a hypocrite and instead offers up her own feelings about Hugh. I wish I could be two people. One, your loving wife, the mother of your children, content in our life as I am and as I ever wish to be. And the other? Someone else. 
someone new who could love another just for a day. Another? Laugh with him, kiss him, love him just for a day without feeling disloyal to the man I truly love. And do you think another would be content with that? I don't know. Would you? I think so. For I know who it is who truly owns my heart. Do you doubt it? Not till tonight. Till I saw you look at him. The way you once looked at me. I will look at you that way again, Ross. Just be patient with me. As I have been patient with you. episode ends with everyone in cheers so what did you think of this week's episode absolutely addicted poldarki said well to tell the truth i wasn't too disappointed not as much as i feared i would be always coming from the fan of the book's perspective i dreaded this episode fearing the worst most scenes were true to the books but not all overall i was pleased with this episode Attorney MSB3 said, I thought it was a great episode, despite the fact that I hate this part of the Ross, Demelza, Elizabeth, Hugh storyline in the books. Just when Ross and Demelza are finally coming together, boom, let's blow them up again. Paul King overall quite liked it. It felt well-paced, and the arcs that were focused on were done well. Elven Adventurous said, it's fantastic. Enjoyed every minute. Perichi's head, this episode totally made up for last week. Between the people in the fandom claiming that Ross still loves Elizabeth because of a deceptively edited teaser trailer. Fuck you, BBC! And those claim... That, that was my insertion, sorry. And those claiming Demelza wants to get even for what happened in season two, I was ready to start drowning anti-anxiety medication like Pez. After this episode, I feel vindicated. Uh, well, uh, for me, it was better than last week, but considering how much I wanted to run out and play in traffic after that, that's not much of a step up. Um, it's breaking my heart for several reasons. Uh, the plot, of course, because adultery, either emotional or physical, is an emotional trigger for me, and <clears throat> I've known this was going to hurt since reading the books. Second, that the reconciliation has been written um, as it has been, um, basically going across the two years that we've covered, uh, instead of them being completely reconciled as they are at the beginning of Black Moon, um, all to keep the drama trademark alive, you know, for today's audience trademark. And, um, <laughs> and it's basically ruined it for me. Uh, I'm, I am pretty much okay in saying that this season has pretty much been a bust for me. So this episode was probably my favorite of season three. Of course it was! 
<laughs> I have a, a few issues like here and there, but I think I pretty much enjoyed it from start to finish. There was like even minimal Drake, which is the perfect amount of Drake. Like, yes, that is what I want. Um, I will say that this episode was good, but it, it didn't really fit with the rest of the season in like any sense so that was confusing for me it might just be like a one-off blip in a pile of crap um yes i also enjoyed this episode a lot uh, i thought there was a great balance we literally got to see all of the characters the supporting ones had more substantial scenes that did not last only 30 seconds we had more Dwight, more Sam. Uh, we got to know, to see more of Emma Trey girls. And I'm still frustrated about Caroline because I, I don't think her character deserves that. None for you, Caroline. <laughs> Everybody else but you. Her character has no other purpose than to be a really uh, bad segue mechanism. And that really makes me upset. She showed up in that scene with Elizabeth and I was like, do you two like know each other? What is this? Oh, we need to do a segue. Let's get Caroline. Anyway, what was your favorite scene? Artsyat said her favorite scene, although she found it quite sad, was the discussion between Ross and Demelza talking about her wishing to be two people. Oh, where he says that he believed he was her only love until he saw her look at someone the way she once looked at him. Uh, broke my heart. Uh, not as good as the actual book scene, but I'll take it. After the shit this season, it was nice to see they put this in. Absolutely addicted, Paul Darkey said, when Demelza is standing on the cliff overlooking the ocean, and she has the sketch Hugh made for her in her hands, and she scrunches it up and tosses it, tosses it into the sea. OMJ, I love that moment. Maybe too much? Made me hopeful. Silly me. Paul Darking said, Ross and Elizabeth in the church... They were long overdue to have a post-mortem about their train wreck of an affair. Their reconciliation and goodbye were excellently written and acted. I'm very glad they got closure. Attorney MSB3 said the Ross Elizabeth scene in the church, and this despite the fact that I am an Elizabeth hater. The character in the book show, not the actress. Elvin Adventurous said my favorite scene in is Ross and Elizabeth's whole meeting at the church. It was heartwarming to hear she wants to save her marriage with George because I really wish to see them happy together. Ross's goodbye kisses to her were very sweet. This closure was desperately needed. Prairie Cheesehead said uh, the scene in the church with Ross and Elizabeth because it was true to the novel and it was needed. It was needed not just because it's, import it's an important part of the story, but because it seemed to kill this argument that Ross still loves Elizabeth. <laughs> no, it didn't. There's, there are more. It really yeah, didn't. no, there, there, it still continues, but it's nice for those of us that actually, you know, understand the purpose of it. We get it. Um, and that this is justification for what Demelza will do. I also like the dream sequence, which was meant to show the audience what Ross was thinking um, is a close second. Because the first step in becoming a better communicator is to be able to admit the truth to yourself. Baby steps, folks. Baby steps. Um, and I agree uh, with everything that you said. Um, uh, this was my favorite scene, which will shock me to the rest of the day, to, you know, for the rest of my days. Uh, because I, 
have been dreading this scene uh, since I read the books. Uh, it was absolutely perfectly performed and um, so well done. Bravo. So my favorite scene will be incredibly unsurprising. I'm very predictable, I'm sorry. <laughs> and it was Sam's proposal. Like, it's maybe my favorite scene in the season. Because um, I obviously love the characters and the ship from the book. And just, like, watching this one aspect play out on screen is just really magical for me. <laughs> Both of these actors are amazing. You only really get tiny snippets, and yet somehow they've created really full characters and people. Um, Sierra in particular is amazing in this scene because, like, seven different emotions flicker across her face as she realizes he wants to marry her. Um, and I'm both, like, amused and touched while watching it. Um, I was very moved, actually. I have really complicated feelings about the relationship and storyline that we will have to wait until season four to discuss, but um, watching this was heartbreaking and wonderful at the same time. And I ended up crying on the rewatch. I was just sat there in tears, like, <laughs> why can't I keep this like Aww. this? <sighs> um, my favorite scene of the episode was the very last one. Um, between Demel and Ross, uh, props to Aiden Turner and uh, Eleanor Tomlinson, who delivered such powerful and nuanced performances, because it was so heartbreaking and uh, so real, because we have Ross realizing that he's losing his wife to some of the men, and he realizes that, th that there's not so much he can do to stop it, and Demelza is just so candid about it, so it was so perfectly portrayed and uh, so bittersweet. I kind of like enjoy the angst of it in a like sick, twisted way. I enjoy being tortured. <laughs> I'm a masochist. Um, what was your least favorite scene? Absolutely addicted. Poldark, he said when Ross walks in during Demelza's singing at the Tregrothnan party. It was so reminiscent of the scene from season one at Trenwith during Christmas. It truly broke my heart. When he sees whom she is focused on, and then when he started applauding. Oh my heart, I couldn't take it. Same. I uh, I barely made it through the rewatch, uh, second only to the two people scene uh, for my least favorites, but uh, more on that later. Attorney MSB3 said the scene between Ross and Demelza that depicts what Ross would like to tell Demelza, but does not. First, it is maddening to me that Ross never ever sees the manipulative and selfishness that are large parts of her character and insists on seeing her through proverbial rose-colored glasses. Second, that he lies to Demelza, so stupid. She knows he's lying, but has yet to discover why. Artyat's uh, least favorite scene is anything with Ozzy. Elvin Adventurer said least favorite was definitely when Whitworth forces Morwenna into relations when he knows she's suffering. He disgusts me beyond measure. The actor plays vile very well. Prairie Cheesehead also said Ozzy raping Morwenna after he's told by Dwight he has to abstain from sex. That was horrible in itself, but the cutaway to the moon and the waves crashing was really cheesy. It was. Uh, Paul Dawking said Rowella sitting on Whitworth's lap and opening her dress. Well, Rowella manipulating Whitworth's last one makes me feel icky, because is she not like 15? I understand that she's trying to protect her sister, but placing a child as a sexual manipulator is deeply uncomfortable. Two, I hope it goes no further, because two women girls being assaulted by him, please, no. 
Okay, moving on. Uh, who's your favorite new character? Paul Darking said, I think library man Arthur, all the way, uh, is the only new character, but I love me a man bringing a lady books. So he's in my good books. Preach. Absolutely addicted to Paul Darking said, Rowella, my belief is that she is trying to protect her sister from Ozzy by using her, quote, feminine wiles to distract him, and who knows, she may be enjoying his attentions. The perverseness is disturbing in one so young. Although... Um, her behavior is questionable. Her intentions noble. We talked about this on book club, uh, whether she was doing this to protect her sister or not. I don't believe Morwenna was as candid about her situation with Ro Rowella in the books. Uh, ladies, do you remember if she was? I don't think she was, no. Um, Morwenna didn't really discuss her situation with either of her sisters because remember, she had two. And she especially didn't get along with Rowella. So I kind of feel like they've rolled up both sisters into just this one character. And she's having these like split personalities. Uh, she has these moments of confidence with her. But they're still trying to keep Rowella shrewd and manipulative. Um, so I do, as ever, miss the ambiguity. Because I think part of the charm of Rowella is just her inscrutability. I do not know what was up with Rowella in the mm -hmm. books, and that was why I loved yeah, her. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Uh, attorney MSB3 said, Emma and Rowella equally good. Emma in her scenes with Sam. Sure of who she is and happy with it, uh, sensing that she would not be right for Sam and telling him in a truthful but kind way. Rowella, wow. I think she's trying to help Morwenna, but she is also setting up Ozzy for something. Now this will be fun to watch. Uh, Artsyat said her favorite new character has to be Emma. She's exactly as I want her to be as an avid book fan. And I agree. I think I think she's just fabulous. Uh, Elven adventurous uh, Emma Tregarles, uh for sure. Her line about holding men on a string solidified my love for her. Perichi's head said Emma. I love her sass, but I also love how she seems to be astonished that a man, i.e. Sam, wants her for herself. Yes, he also wants to convert her, but the way this is playing out, Sam's desire to bring her to Christ seems almost irrelevant. <laughs> Sanctify the boner! <laughs> <laughs> so well said. Um, who is your least favorite new character? Absolutely addicted Paul Darkey said, I think I may upset some, but Camelza. I do not care for this new, improved, empowered version. I know Debbie wanted to make her more independent, feisty, feminist, perhaps. There is a part of me that understands that, but let's not take away from the beauty of Winston, Winston Graham's books and this beautifully nuanced character. I feel that by empowering Demelza, Debbie has taken away our lovely, earthy, commonsensical Demelza from the books. I felt like this episode we got the closest book to Melza we've seen all season. So while I 100% appreciate this sentiment, feels like kind of an odd time to declare this. Like, we got an episode of Demelza trying to push back against Hugh and, like, trying to juggle her emotions for these two men in, like, the most honest and sincere way possible with Ross. Um, what felt really odd for me personally was the huge transformation transformation she had from last week's to Melza to this one it felt like an entirely different person like where was the woman last week who was saying she wanted a new pet 
It's like she's bipolar or something. I swear to God, it's like I was just I didn't recognize her. I and I think I think for me, I I hear what you're saying, but the fact that they have extended the reconciliation that the the relationship between Ross and Demelza is still so uh, fraught with disquiet uh, throughout this entire uh, two-year period uh, because that's what I'm taking last week's uh, ridiculousness as meaning that they still aren't reconciled they're still muddling through uh, trying to come back together as a, a happy couple. Sure, they have their happy moments, you know, and kind of reunion scenes, that type of thing, but there is still this disquiet. There's still this attitudinalness. I mean, remember the way uh, she responded after Ross said, you know, I, I trust your your wonderful common sense to, to recognize what's going on. Um, to me, I know there are a lot of people that thought that that Ross was being a, a real dick, and I know you had a few things to say during the episode um, recap about it. It just felt incredibly tone deaf. I don't think he was being a dick. It's just like that Ross thing where he doesn't know how to phrase things in a way that won't piss people off. I think that it's not. He wasn't so much a dick. I wouldn't put it that way. There lies the issue with why he finds it so difficult to communicate. You just nailed it right on top of the head. Ross has a tendency when he tries to communicate to have things come out as being kind of pompous and unfeeling and that type of thing. You know, I think he was he was actually trying to, you know, be... Yeah, you know, he's trying to be as honest as he could, which, you know, I think that then leading to the the dream sequence where, you know, he's telling Demel's about how he ran into Elizabeth, blah, blah, blah. It, it, it winds up tying into that. Nope, that was just what's in my head, because I know if I say it, it's going to sound like it. I'm going to sound like an idiot. So I'm not going to say anything. If the dream sequence had been like real, would we have said that it was like out of character Oh, like more like a progression at that moment in his character it would it would have been out of character because we know you know from the books that Ross does have this moment when he comes home after that encounter and thinks about you know telling her what happened and saying you know I you know I'm thinking to himself you know I wish I could say X and it's basically that sequence that we saw um, but he knows if he were to say that, that that would destroy Demelza. Uh, and because Demelza's character is as she is in the books, it's very true. It would have destroyed him, her because, and you know, I know we'll why get... that scene falls flat for me though is because this version of Demelza, I don't think it would have destroyed her. So exactly. Scene... <laughs> exactly. Here's 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 what I think. They've changed Demelza. And they haven't changed Ross to balance that. And so they have these two different characters who are no longer one another's foil. So, you know, it's like if you're going to make these dramatic changes in Demelza's character, you need to do the same thing with Ross in order to complement her. And they haven't done that. And that's the reason why this whole thing 
feels so freaking off for me. And I, I don't know how on earth we wind up, we wind up with these two back together. So anyway. Okay. Um, Artsy Ad uh, said, uh, least new favorite new character has to be Rowella. Uh, I really don't understand what the show is doing with her. I've never seen her as a character that did what she did out of a sense of devotion and love for her sister, trying to help her. Especially hard to fathom that point of view when their later relationship is so fractured. Paul Darking said, not new, but Ozzy. Just always Ozzy. Especially with his wish that Morwenna die, <laughs> his cruelty in inflicting himself on her, and him creeping on Ro Rowella, can he join in the cr cliff staring and then be pushed off by Rowella? <laughs> you know, I saw I saw a comic. I saw a comic on Twitter that was basically that was basically that. It was hilarious. Um, we wish. <clears throat> um, Elven adventurer said Whitworth. He's a perverted rapist who wished Morwenna dead so he could have uh, her sister to his pleasure. Prairie Cheese said said Ozzy. Quote, insatiable sex hippo, and quote, Whitworth. Ah! <laughs> I read a review of episode seven that referred to him as that. I will never get that nickname out of my head. <laughs> oh my god! Because that is pretty true. He is an insatiable sex hippo. Uh, he rapes his own wife and then pervs on his sister-in-law. Underage sister-in-law. <laughs> okay, um, what made you cheer? Pondar King said, Ross and Jeremy, adorable. And Dwight later saying, is this what Caroline and I have to look forward to? <laughs> uh, I don't love Elizabeth, and I think many aspects of her love for Jeffrey Charles are selfish. But damn, if that scene with his homecoming wasn't adorable. Uh, Ross's conversation with Falmouth was a good elaboration on why he doesn't want to be an MP. His more positive traits were nicely on display there. Him staring up at the ceiling in bed, unable to sleep, was a nice mirror of Demelza tossing and turning during the whole Elizabeth business. And I did, I did feel quite sad for him. Definitely not a cheering point, but I cheered that they included more of Ross's emotions. Yeah, me too. I thought that was great. Uh, absolutely addicted, Polder. He said, uh, Dwight defending Morwenna to Ozzy when he tells when he tells Ozzy he could crush the baby. <laughs> Very, very delicately done, but oh my god, that was hilarious. Um, and then after the baby has been born, you must cease forthwith. <laughs> Made me happy. <laughs> because he has a substantial physique. Yes, a substantial physique. Oh my god. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, at, uh, attorney MSB3 said, uh, Morwenna getting that metal charm of mother and child that Drake made. It finally gave her something to hold on to in the abyss that is life with Ozzy. I will pay anybody £50 who can explain how she knew that that thing was from Drake. Anybody. Anyway. Artsyet said, I cheered over the fact that they did some justice to the scene between Ross and Elizabeth in the graveyard. But the kiss on the lips? Unnecessary. Rather well done when compared to so many important scenes blatantly missing this season in exchange for endless shots of heartbreaking... Drake and Morwenna. Ugh. Preach! Preach. Um, Elven Adventurers said, when Demelza told Ross she wishes she could be with you. Perichis had said, call me petty, but I thoroughly enjoyed Caroline's <laughs> side eye and Ross's slow clap. 
<laughs> I wasn't gratified so much because this was towards Hugh and Demelza, but after listening to the people on the Let's Blame Ross for Demelza's decisions because he neglects her train go on and on about this all week, both actions felt like vindication. Yes, I'm projecting. Yes, I'm being petty. Forgive me, but it was a long week. And girlfriend, I totally feel you on this one. Love this so very much. Um, uh, what made you want to throw things at the television or computer screen? Absolutely addicted, Paul Darkey said. There were two moments. First, pretty defending Hugh's pursuit of Demelza and encouraging it. What? And secondly, I admit I was very worried about the church scene between Ross and Elizabeth, and I was and it was and I was handling it well. And then and then the kisses. I knew they were coming. I was prepared, but that last kiss ending on the lips. Mm, of course, five or six brushing kisses could mean anything, right? Sorry, I just wish they hadn't. Still made me want to throw up. Actually, this was performed precisely as it was written in the books, including the kiss on the lips. Uh, and I was shocked that I didn't want to throw up. Uh, in fact, I'm totally okay with it, as opposed to how I responded when I read the scene. Uh, the kiss on the lips bothered me like crazy when I read it. But in the context as it was performed on the show, I totally got it. You know, it's a, a fair, it, it's a farewell that you're giving to someone that you once loved and are not intending on seeing again within that context or perhaps any other. Because as far as Ross is concerned, with George going off to Westminster, you know, at some point, if Elizabeth is able to get this situation with George uh, reconciled, uh, chances are he's not, Ross isn't going to see her uh, very much anymore because she'll be in London with George. So this is a farewell. This is a goodbye. This is, I wish you well. I'm sorry that I've, I've harmed you. And um, I hope that you're going to be okay. So I was totally all right with it. Yeah. And um, she will always have a this special place in his heart, even though she's not the love of his life. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, now this pretty thing, uh, that makes me so angry. I almost, I, I actually, I have a little stuffed hedgehog on my desk. I threw it at my computer. Um, in the books, Prudy is the one that recognizes the hurt Demelza experiences when she learns of the church meeting, not the kisses, just the two of them meeting, and then Ross walking towards Trenwith with Elizabeth from Judd. Prudy is the one that stops Judd from saying anything else. I mean, she hits him upside the head to get him to shut up. And so now we see her being a cheerleader for fucking around with Lord Byron? Uh, no. It's so confusing because in season two, we clearly saw that she's, she rooted for Demelza and Ross. She rooted for Demelza being with Ross. But mm -hmm. now the fact that they, uh, they didn't have Phil Davis anymore... To play Judd, now there's this like mischaracterization in, uh, in Pretty, which yeah. is uh, such a shame because uh, she's not supposed to root for the other men. No. Didn't we say not having Judd around would fuck things up? Well, look at that. I will say it kind of does make sense for Prudy to have this attitude about marriage given the state of her, her marriage with Judd. Like, she's not going to be defending the sanctity of it or anything. 
But it also made me rub my eyes at her because this felt really reminiscent of when they made Aunt Agatha a cheerleader for Ross and Elizabeth abandoning their families for each other. Like, just stop throwing side characters under the bus to prop up these storylines. Why can't we let Elizabeth and Demelza make terrible decisions on their own time? Yes! Yes, damn it, yes! Let them let them own their decision making. Attorney MSV3 said Elizabeth saying she would call Dr. Ennis if Ozzy didn't. Really? Really? She put her in that miserable soul-sucking situation for her and her husband's benefits so they could climb the social ladder. Poldarking said she was a poldark, as is her son. That felt like a really thinly veiled reference to Valentine and it was just the hell, Ross. I was super happy about the whole I've changed because of you and Ross's whole explanation to Demelza about Elizabeth, but then it was just a thought he had instead of what he actually said, and I had to pause the show to go get some more wine. <laughs> it would have been so good for them to actually have this conversation. Much as I enjoyed Dwight's doctoring and looking like he wants to whack Whitworth, I'm still quite miffed that Dwight and Caroline don't have their own storyline. I especially missed Caroline being her own person, as opposed to just someone to tell Elizabeth that George visited Dwight and to show us that others see Hugh and Demelza's flirtation. Um, Artsy Ad wanted to throw things at the television every time Caroline was used only as an ornament. Preach! <sighs> I'm throwing my desk over. There you go. There you go. <laughs> strong enough. <laughs> OMG, the next time they use her as Segway fodder, I will light something on fire. I will I will burn <laughs> something down, damn it. <laughs> she deserves better than that. Yes, she oh. does. Ugh. Hopefully season four. <laughs> One can wish. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah. <laughs> we can wish. <laughs> Alvin Adventurer said every Whitworth scene. <laughs> uh, Prairie Cheesehead uh, said Pretty encouraging Demelza to go after Hugh. Really, Prudy? Weren't you the same person who tried to discourage Demelza from having that revenge fling with Captain Mustache? I mean, McNeil? It's like, yeah, Prudy, you've been one of my favorites from the beginning, but you're rapidly becoming the least. Okay, um, what was your performance of the week? Absolutely addicted, Poldarki said Jack Farthing's portrayal of George. He has tapped into the darkness and sadness that George feels at this moment. Standing up to Ross, telling him he will not see Elizabeth. I enjoyed that, to be truthful. And going to all lengths to secure votes. That's our George. Evil to the core. Attorney MSV3 said, Performance of the week for me was Ross, so Aiden. Uh, particularly the scene in the church and the scene in which he imagines telling Demelza about meeting Elizabeth. While I hate Ross's inability to see Elizabeth for who and what she really is, the, these scenes were both beautifully acted made me want to hit him upside the head. So well done. <laughs> Otsiat said, Jack Farthing did a great job being disturbed, angry George. Eleanor was rather good performing the angst of being attracted to someone other than Ross. Paul Dawking said, Jack Farthing, there was a constant pain in George this episode, even though he's still being a dick. <laughs> His scenes with Dwight where he's so visibly struggling to voice his fears about Valentine and keeps telling Dwight to keep it confidential, which was both somehow rude because Dwight knows his duties to his patients, George, 
but also a great manifestation of George's fear and pain. They were really well done. And the way he always pauses by Elizabeth and Valentine but can't quite look at them or touch them. Kudos to Jack Farthing. Additional shout out to Elise Chappell. She's doing a great job of portraying Morwenna's struggle with regards to her son as well as her fears and pain her fear and pain in her marriage. Can I just say that I find it interesting that they kind of switched the direction uh, for the storyline because uh, the first ones uh, start directly with uh, directly with George um, investigating uh, on the opportunity and it's just so hilarious whereas uh, on the TV adaptation they made it more like emotional so I think it was interesting how they switched directions. Um Elf Adventures said Aidan Turner, he really poured his heart out in every scene. I was touched not only by his lines, but the sincerity of the performance. Greg Cheesehead said Aidan Turner, I'm supposed to explain why I think so, but his performance in this episode speaks for itself. Uh, Hyda Reed for the church scene and the genuine hurt she displayed at George's snubbing of her. It also seemed that something clicked or sparked or lit a fire under Elizabeth this week too. Perhaps it's because George isn't around that Elizabeth has found her backbone, especially when she learned that Ozzy doesn't give two fucks about his own wife and getting her help. Heidi did a wonderful job running the gambit on Elizabeth's feelings. Yeah, for me this week it was definitely Heidi Reed. I'm really, really in awe of her performance this season. I never would have foreseen what an amazing performer was lurking in this actress from like the pilot of the show. Um, but when given the material, I think Hyder really shines, and she deserves much better in season three than drinking out of glasses and giving people side eyes. But I'm really glad that she at least got this one magnificent scene to prove mm-hmm. her worth. Um, I agree. It was such a pleasure seeing her performance this week. Um, and as always, I thought Aiden was fantastic. So many emotions chasing around in those eyes. I was completely sucked into that effing dream sequence that we uh, that when we snapped back to reality, I literally yelled, no, <laughs> even though it would have been a plot shift off the Richter scale. Uh, not that there haven't already been a ton of those happening this season, uh, but it, <laughs> but at least I would have been thrilled with this one, uh, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, I worked out that that wasn't real almost instantly, but I somehow managed to get really into it and then, like, angry that it wasn't real later. And then I was like, oh, wait, you knew it wasn't real. <laughs> Shut up, <Rachel." laughs> I I knew something was up when we weren't shown any facial response from Demelza. I, I was like, okay, this is so a dream sequence. <laughs> Um, I also applaud Heather Reed for her her performance this week. Uh, She made me feel all kinds of emotion. I was angry at her, especially for how uh, she wanted to help Morwenna when she was part of the reason she got into this situation. But um, I mostly felt sympathetic, um, not only in regards to George's ambivalence towards her and uh, Valentine, uh, but also after the graveyard scene. um, we could see that she was finally at peace with herself uh, uh, regarding her feelings for Ross. Uh, at first, I was really worried when we saw in the in the trailer Ross saying that he loved her. Uh, but then after watching this scene, you realize that it's more platonic now. Um, 
And uh, yeah, so, and uh, apart from Haida, I also very much enjoyed uh, Eleanor's performances and how she played the inner conflict between uh, her old feelings for her husband um, and her new attraction to Hugh. And yeah, I just want to give uh, props in general to all the ladies uh, in this show. Um, uh, Ciara, who plays Emma. Um, I forgot the name of the actress who played uh, Rowella, but um, all uh, women gave uh, strong performances this week. Okay. Um, any other observations you wish to share with us? Absolutely addicted, Poldaki said. I said it before. I wish they would have dedicated just one book to adapt this season. There are so many storylines to follow, several new characters being introduced. As a fan of the books, there I go again, it's been too rushed. Attorney MSB3 said the Ross de Maza scenes discussing Hugh had a different feel than they had in the books. To me, Ross did not seem understanding as he was in the books. Instead, he seemed angry. This from a man who has yet to apologize to his wife for his quote, visit to Elizabeth. It did not help that in the scene where he imagined telling Demelza about meeting Elizabeth, he continues to idealize her and bemoans that fact, uh, the fact that he did her a great injury. Huh? She set you up and you were stupid enough to fall for it. The only person that was wronged was, was Demelza. Elizabeth rolled the dice with Ross and crapped out. I am almost at the point of thinking Demelza should ditch Ross. Take the kids and go with you. Uh, you know, I tend to agree with you about most things, MSB, uh, attorney MSB3, but uh, I'm going to have to disagree with you about this. Um, Ross fucked up two women's lives with his behavior that night, uh, regardless of whether Elizabeth manipulated him into going to her that night or not. He wronged her by failing to be straight with her afterwards. Uh, he said he would be in touch, and he was not. That was wrong, no matter how you slice it. Secondly, Ross will always idealize Elizabeth. He has had blinders on around her since they met, and nothing that happened in series two would give him any reason to change his opinion about that. Um, attorney MSB3 continues, uh, on the timeline note, in uh, Ross's imagined response to the Malza, he says that 15 years ago, he would have given the world to Elizabeth for Elizabeth. Time-wise, I am completely confused as Valentine has not grown at all, while Clowens, who was born after Valentine, now looks to be a toddler. Jeremy Constant over a series as is Jeffrey Charles. I can imagine the difficulty in aging children in the show, but this is nuts. And Garrick, he has to be the oldest yet <laughs> liveliest dog in Cornwall. <laughs> Hashtag Podocta. Uh-huh. <laughs> Um, and a final observation uh, from attorney MSV3. Uh, Hugh has a white horse. It will go with that white tricon that Michelle has planned for him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not ashamed of screeching at my computer when I saw that damn horse. I mean, clobber us over the head with the metaphor. Uh, one that, as a black person, always, always makes me furious. And no, I'm not turning this into a race thing, people. It just, it's just as it is. Black is evil, white is good. That's my damage. Uh, as for the horse, um, I laughed <laughs> immediately because it's such a ridiculous show horse. Uh, this is prob just probably all aesthetics and not practical and sturdy like Darkie. It's a succinct character insight into Hugh Armitage. Oh, God. Like painting a watercolor with a house painting brush. Uh, Arthiat said, I like this episode a lot, but I really think the love that Ross and Demelza rekindled with each other after the incident has not been explored properly on the show this season. 
if it had come across more deeply, all that's happening with Hugh would have had a greater, deeper impact without having to make it an act of revenge. They've made Demelza bitchy about Ross's behavior in almost every episode, which is certainly not how the books portray her. I think this is being done so we, the viewers, see a clear-cut reason for her actions pertaining to Hugh. Ross has been an ass, so it makes it easier to be on her side. B.S., I say. When it comes to infidelity, there isn't always a reason. Attractions happen. People make mistakes. I don't hate Hugh. I don't hate what Demelza does with him. I don't like it, and I don't condone it, but I can understand it. In the books, it's pretty obvious that she loves her husband deeply, but gets sidetracked by a kind, sad, dying man. Her lovely soul just wants to make him happy. TV Demelza is not that sweet, loving person this season, and I miss her. Alvin Adventures said, If Ross's imaginary speech to Demelza was real, I think her feelings for Hugh and what she said to Ross at the end would have been a tad difference different. She'd be conflicted instead of so confident in her thoughts. Uh, Poldorking. Does Morwenna live close to those cliffs? Or did she just go there to have an emotional <laughs> cliff moment? Trademark. Truro <laughs> is inland. Exactly. Truro is like so far inland. It made me livid. <laughs> oh god. Someone remarked this past week that George buying Agatha a pauper's grave out of spite is rather stupid of him, given how people outside the family will perceive it. Not even giving her a headstone this week seems phenomenally stupid. Love the mention of Francis being more book smart than either Ross or George. I miss Francis. I miss Francis too! Prairie Chiefs had said, Strong, feisty, modern Demelza does not work with the Hugh storyline in The Four Swans. It doesn't work because what is missing is the angst she experiences in the no novels because she is so conflicted about her feelings towards Hugh. While I'm glad that the I wish I could be two women speech was included in the show, it actually rings hollow with TV Demelza. It doesn't feel like she's conflicted. It feels more like she's either asking Ross for permission to use the free pass or she's telling him that she's going to cash in her free pass, so to speak. The angst and inner conflict that is missing is necessary for us to be able to both be angry or upset with her for her decision and sympathise with her turmoil. That's part of why this story is so difficult to take in the novels. Where Demelza let that drawing from Hugh fly off into the wind, I really didn't care because I knew that feisty modern Demelza is going to play the I'm neglected card, even though she isn't neglected. Uh, question mark, she's totally neglected in season two. And so when she wants and uh, do what she wants anyway, and as a result, deliberately hurting this man she says she loves, Ross. It's also because of that that I can't, I find I can't really hate Hugh now. Even though his characterization is basically true to the books, it's easier to hate him when he was inserting himself into Demelza's life and stubbornly manipulating her and being the cause of her conflict. It's more difficult to hate him when he doesn't have to try very hard because modern Demelza is going to do what she wants anyway. <laughs> the other aspect of modern feisty Demelza that does not work goes back to season two. She was angry and her anger and hurt were justified, but she also said things like reminding Russ that the that they both took a vow to forsake all others. Modern feisty Demelza, who's probably going to do what she wants because she's modern and feisty, is about to become a flaming hypocrite, and that is really not sitting well with me at all. 
I totally agree with you. Um, I was very happy they kept the two women conversation, but the atmosphere and delivery of the conversation was at the opposite side of the universe from how it was done in the books. Um, in the books where, you know, well, on the show, they're sitting on two different settles across from each other, you know, which makes it look like they're like about to go to battle uh, versus uh, in the book, sitting on the bed with Ross's arm around her is just one of the differences of which I speak. Instead of a moment of heartfelt sharing, it felt like a fucking battleground. And when Ross said, it was the first time I saw you looking at a man the way you once looked at me, I could almost feel her shrug as opposed to bursting into tears as she did in the book. The whole thing was representative of why carrying the marital discord across the entire season has just ruined the season for me. One week they're doing really well, and then for no week, the next, re or for no reason, the next week they're at each other's throats. And at this point where they have this conversation, it's clear to me that they're at cross purposes once again. Be patient with me as I was patient with you. What the fuck does that mean? Because I'll let you sort out how you. You, because I let you sort out how you felt after the incident, all the while flinging sour looks and passive-aggressive comments your way, now means you just have to sit there and watch as I give myself to another man, who gives an absolute rat's ass about his intent to cuckold the man who saved him from a French prison? I'm often told I'm too hard on Demelza around the menace that is Armitage, but, you know, to, he, to each their own at this point. Um. I actually really liked the be patient with me line because I think like too often, especially in our media culture, we expect marriages to be portrayed as these like constant bedrocks of love and fidelity. And I think the reality of life and just basic human nature means that people can sometimes grow distant and fall out of step with the people that they've pledged to spend their life with. I think it's only natural, so I don't really begrudge her for asking for patience from him. And I never really begrudged his asking for her to be patient. Um, that she she just wants to like fall back into the rhythm of their marriage. Um, and I don't I didn't really see it as a be patient while I fuck around line, but that's my I love Demelza. I think she's had to make an endless amount of allowances for him, especially during season two, and he should be able to do the same for her this series. Their marriages always felt incredibly unequal. Demelza was carrying such a huge burden with the death of Julia and then his arrest and then the adultery thing that I kind of feel like this is just a natural extension of that, that she's kind of just out of sorts at the moment within herself. And it's, I don't feel like Hugh is the cause of this discontent she has. Like there is something a miss inside of Demelza and that's what I always interpreted the book's relationship um to mean and I think she just needs time more than anything to sort all of her emotions out. I really loved the election storyline and the whole MP saga. I like that it pits George as the guy kind of cleaning out the Falmouth corruption for his own personal gain of course and then it has him siding with Sir Francis who is much more socially liberal and by contrast, Ross is partnering up with like a snobby, corrupt and wrong-headed Falmouth who is opposed to much of what Ross believes in. 
I think it's an incredibly interesting development for these characters and muddies the water a bit. One of the biggest failings of the season for me personally has been like Ross's canonization as like the savior of the poor. When he comes from a place of like incredible privilege and the show needs to keep reminding us that Ross is a hugely establishment guy and that George, who is in trade and is in fact the underdog of the world order of the 18th century. So bear with me, girls. Um, I'm just glad that we're not in the same room because I think I would get like tomatoes thrown at me and eggs and everything. Um, I know that I'm not supposed to root for the other men, you know, trying to break the ultimate uh, one true pairing. But at the moment, I'm having a really hard time disliking Hugh Armitage, um, which is, I think, due to the strong performances that Josh Whitehouse has been delivering and the insane chemistry that he has with Eleanor. But so far, I've been appreciating his his, uh, his character. I mean, what's not to like for for real? He acknowledges uh, her qualities, uh, which we've been criticizing Ross for not doing. Uh, so what's not to love? And yes, I know, he knows that she's married, but I think the reason he's persisting in doing so is because... He sees that she's being underappreciated by, you know, the undeserving husband. Uh, at least that's how he see it played out, played out on screen. That's just my opinion. He sees a gap in the market and he's trying to exploit it, I think, is the... <sighs> is Hugh. Okay, so let's move on to messages. Messages, yes. So again, you guys, thank you so much for sending us lots of messages every week. We appreciate it. So the first message that we got from, was from Anonymous. Uh, hi, Lutz. Lutz are saying that season three is the best season so far. I don't think it was the best for me because I am a Romelza fan. I needed more Romelza scenes. Uh, I think it focused too much on the other characters, but that's me. I love Romelza fluff and I so miss their steamy scenes. They always hold them back with them expressing their love. Uh, well, based on what we've seen in this series, it's clear their reconciliation is still not a done deal. So it stands to reason we won't get as many scenes with Ross and Demelza easy and in love with each other uh, this time around. Um, and as I've said, I think stretching the marital distress uh, across this entire two-year span of time was a terrible, terrible idea. But they're going to do what they're going to do in order to create drama. Um uh, by doing so, they've simplified the emotions that occurred during the same time period in the books because it makes what is about to happen more justifiable for Demelza so that she doesn't wind up getting slammed with comments about her behavior, you know, like Ross did, uh, instead of the, amash, the massive emotional struggle she goes through uh, about her feelings for Hugh. Uh, it's been made tawdry in my eyes. Okay, Anon said Ross is finally waking up. Yeah, but it may be a little too late. I actually feel sorry for almost everyone in the show now, with the exception of Ozzy, for obvious reasons, and Prudy. No need to feel sorry for her. I even feel sorry for Elizabeth and George. I feel so bad for George, by the way. This is me. I feel so bad for George. Uh, Ross and Elizabeth were basically conspiring to defraud George into thinking Valentine is his son this week, which I thought was awful. What are the alternatives? Go ahead. Let me grab a bag of chips. And, uh, <laughs> grab a bag of chips. I actually do have a bag of chips here because I decided I wanted to have some prop action going on. 
so go ahead. My first suggestion is not sleeping with Elizabeth in the first place. My second suggestion is pulling out. Oh my god! You know Ross didn't. <laughs> okay, so other than revisionist history, Miss Thang. Like, nobody likes it when I suggest that one of the characters should jump off a cliff, but I'm looking at Elizabeth here right now. And, and I'm assuming that she's going to take the kid with her because leaving the kid behind with George does not sound like a very good plan. Anyway. True that, actually, yeah. <laughs> oh my god, you not, guys. I'm, not the, I'm not the greatest at solutions. <laughs> so anonymous said hi ross needs to step out of the shower like bobby ewins dallas <laughs> and this is a this is a show the dallas theme right now Shout out to all the old codgers out there. I, I had to laugh when I saw this, and God knows I needed it. I hope when I wake up that this was all a dream. <laughs> I know, right? And I I, I, I want to say that the chips that I opened came in my Poldark uh, Quaintly and Company box that I ordered. There. It's the, the Great British Chip or Crisp Company. They're simply fish and chips. So they're chips that taste like fish and chips. They're so good. They're so fucking good, man. Okay, um, new message from Anonymous. Uh, looks like Ross's words are coming back to haunt him regarding the need for patience. Remember the beach scene in season two when he asks Demelza to bide a while and have a little patience? Now she's the one asking for patience. Everything about, like, Ross at the end of season two, was like very blasé about the whole patience things. He was just a complete mess in that episode. Now he gets to experience how mammoth the task of patience and forgiveness is. Because it's truly brutal. Um, Anon said, why did Ross have to lie at the end of the show about seeing Elizabeth? I know in the books he does, he just doesn't tell Demelza about it because he thinks she will misinterpret it. But in the show, she talks about not keeping secrets and then he lies when confronted. What the heck? She then acts as if she knows. Do you think Prudy told her? At least she's honest. You have to give her that. No, I don't have to give Prudy that. At all. <laughs> um, uh, you may, yeah, you may call it a lie, but I think he said what he did because he knew uh, Demelza would misinterpret it. Uh, Demelza has a massive spot of insecurity around Elizabeth. It's something that, that exists throughout the life of their marriage. Um, and uh, it's been there from the very beginning, well before the infidelity. I'm not saying that it wasn't made worse, of course. And I myself would have loved to see Ross take a chance and lay it all out with her just to see how she would react. Although this new improved feisty Demelza may have just clobbered him again. Cough. Uh, but, I, <laughs> but I understand it far too well. I mean, like I said earlier, in the book, I fully understood why Ross wouldn't tell her. In the show, not so much. Because he mentioned that the knowledge would, quote, destroy her. And I was like, uh, son, have you met Demelza? Like, think of all the things she survived. Childhood abuse, her child's first death, her husband's imprisonment, and near death. 
then his infidelity, which led to a child that in the show she most definitely 100% thinks is his. I don't think this would destroy her. I think short term she would be pissed at him, but long term it would probably be better for them. Um, And show Ross not telling her, I think, is really more about the large amount of guilt and shame that he carries around with him at all times. And I don't think it's really to protect Demelza. Because Lord knows he's never felt the need to protect her before on this show. He is brutally honest when he can be. This is a, I think this is another instance of, you know, they've changed Demelza, they haven't changed Ross. And so the, the, the reasons for his not saying anything don't fit anymore. So, thanks, Debbie. And it was, it was a really good speech as well. Yeah. I was like, damn, son, she's not going to be mad at you. <laughs> I would I would hope not, but, you know, Feisty Demelza probably would have punched him in the face again. You know, my second point is, um, how can a person be honest about something for which they have no context? Prudy saw Ross and Elizabeth in the church but she has no idea why they're there or what they're talking about. So should she tell Demelza, and we all know that's coming, um, all she can say is, I saw them in church together. For a weird, like, half a second, I actually wondered if Demelza kind of already knew, because there was um, something about, like, the sadness of the last scene that made me sort of wonder. Um, But then I remember that the show's not smart enough to play with that ambiguity. (laughs) It does not. I think... For me personally, it would be way smarter to leave that thread hanging and have that like linger on into season four. Um, but they won't do that. No doubt we will instead have her find out mm-hmm. next week. I mean, after all of the machinations they've dreamt up to maximize the drama on this show this season, there ain't no way Debbie is going to let that particular reveal take place off screen. So we'll either see it next week or it will be something that's revealed uh, in season four. Speaking of next week, let's listen to the 309 trailer. One. You have responded to the call to defend your country. Two. Can he be trusted? More to the point. Can you? Three. There is no kindness in giving false hope. Four. You will do as I command. I will kill your son. Five. Is the matter handled? Well and truly, sir. Six. I love you. Seven. You see, my son. Eight. Who else could he be? Nine. I may soon have a real battle to fight. Spare me this one. Ten. Okay, and now the episode nine, season three finale description. Sir Francis places Ross in charge of a group of volunteers to defend the Cornish coast after Prudy and Tholly catch sight of French ships on the horizon. George returns from Parliament and is outraged to discover that Drake is living in the smithy on the edge of Trenwitland. However, Tom Harry is only too happy to take on the task of making sure he does not remain there for long. Emma struggles to reconcile her feelings for Sam with their religious differences, and Hugh continues to court Demelza in secret, lost in the series. Ooh, secrets! Who's keeping secrets now? Hmm? 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 How are Prudy and Tholly seeing friendships off the north coast of Cornwall? Does this show know basic geography? Obviously not, after the whole Truro is next to the sea thing that we've been subjected to. Exactly! There you go! trying to give this show more credit for logic and consistency than it deserves. 
Yes, I said it. Do you have any predictions on how the series will end? Badly. Yeah. I'm so ready for this to be over with, honestly. And, you know, since it's since it's not airing in the States until October, you know something? I don't know if I'm going to watch it. I've been, like, trying to think of one episode. I was like, you can watch that one episode. Can't think of one. No. Um, maybe, maybe the one where Clowance is born. Because that seemed to be kind of a, a really good, happy episode. Everything else... I'm not sure I'm even looking forward to Sam Emma scenes, is this bad to admit? But, like, I don't know where it's going mm-hmm. at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because he proposed in the second episode. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, it can't go anywhere good, can mm-hmm. it? Nope. Anyhow, well, uh, <laughs> it's time for us to say goodbye for this week. Uh, but we'll be back to discuss the final episode of the season next week. And I'm sure it's going to be interesting. It's kind of a nice way of putting it. Um, I'm making my appointment for a Thorazine Dark for Sunday, just to, to make sure I'm I'm fully anesthetized so I can make it through without destroying my computer. If you want to get involved with the podcast and join the conversation, then you can tweet us at Poldark Podcast or message us on poldarkpodcast.tumblr.com. We also post a serving on Tumblr after the episode airs, so please head on over and reblog it with your answers if you want to be read out on the show. And we're getting a lot of responses, which we really, really love, but we only have so much time to record, so uh, we'll need to do some editing, and you know, the sooner you get your answers in, um, the more assured you'll be of getting them read out on the show. Um, we record very early on Tuesday mornings, so get those things in early so you don't miss out. Thank you very much for listening. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye-bye. Wasn't enough. I'm going through.